Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Hi, I'm Doris. I'm compulsive overeater. How are you guys doing today? Good. I just want to make it so I can see everybody. Okay. Hi, everybody. <laughs> How is it going? <laughs> um, not a big Zoom fan, but glad to be here today. Um, so I was asked to speak about Tradition 7. So I thought I would start. We've already read it in the short form. I thought I would just read it in the long form and then share on it. Um, so in the back of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, um, there is the short form and the long form of all the traditions. And there's actually not a lot of, of writing on the traditions in our daily readers. I noticed that in the for today, there's only one reading on dependency, which I'm going to share with you. But there's nothing on the traditions at all in here, which is to me is a little sad because the traditions have been really helpful for me in terms of how to live my life and just having better relationships with people in general. Um, they've been really important for my work and just really important for me with boundaries in general and specifically around step seven, which I think is about, about boundaries. What is a healthy boundary? And asks us to figure that out. Um, so anyway, in the big book, because AA talks a lot about the, this, the traditions, I think, um, there's, there's a, a long form here uh, on page 567. The AA groups themselves ought to be fully supported by the voluntary contributions of their own members. We think that each group should soon achieve this ideal, that any public solicitation of funds using the name of Alcoholics Anonymous is highly dangerous, whether by groups, clubs, hospitals, or other outside agencies, that acceptance of large gifts from any source or contributions carrying any obligations, whatever is unwise. Then too, we view with much concern those AA treasuries, which continue beyond prudent reserves to accumulate funds for no stated AA purpose. Experience has often warned us that nothing can so surely destroy our spiritual heritage as futile disputes over property, money, and authority. Okay, so <clears throat> that sounds really specific <laughs> and it's good advice. Um, and we take the seventh tradition every week, every every meeting we take a little bit of money and we we share it with our larger groups and we pay our rent and we do what we need with it so that seems really healthy so how does this and i i love oa i think that this is kind of a utopian community that we need to do everything we can do to protect there aren't really many of these in the world in my experience even though i grew up in berkeley i would say there's very few actual situations where people get along and are able to um, take care of each other and express themselves freely and so I think all the traditions protect our, um, uh, our whole community, whether it's in OA or AA or any other 12-step program. And also um, it protects newcomers from confusion. Um, and, it, and I think it spreads the message that we're trying to carry, which is that there is a spiritual solution to this difficult physical set of problems that we have due to our compulsion around food. Okay, so that's very specific about AA and, and the money we get. Um, but I contest that this is actually about me and um, that my boundary problems have led to a lot of my compulsive behavior in the past. And I would say that my, what I call my codependence is, is chronic and it's been with me since I was a little kid. Um, I intuitively know what other people want. 
And I intuitively find myself doing it for them before they even know it themselves. So those are useful skills growing up in the family that I grew up in, but that doesn't really help me. And here's how it hurt me around food. Okay. So um, when I was with someone who was hungry, I would eat. Um, if somebody felt uncomfortable, I would try to take them out to food. Um, I was always thinking of solutions that were food related. And then when I was interacting with them, I would feel that I had to eat it too. That like they talk about in the big book, again, it talks about the conviviality of drinking. And for me, food was this conviviality, like, oh, we're together. We're doing this together. I need to do this with you. We have to do this. And then I'm going to make you feel better. Um, and I had plenty of friends that ate compulsively. So I mean, I know we've all had the experience of trying to share popcorn. It's okay if I mention food, is it? Yeah, okay. So you're in the movie theater and somebody's eating popcorn and they're eating too fast, right? It's this horrible feeling. And it, it just, it's, it used to just kill me. And it's just, and not just my husband of 26 years, but friends all the time. Like, so I would be the one, I was the only one who ever had any money with my friends growing up. Um, my parents have a small, had a small business in Berkeley and I just was the one who saved money. So I had the few dollars it took to go to the movies. So I was paying for the movies. I was paying for the candy. I was paying for the sodas. I was paying for everything, but I never really had enough for me to have enough of my own. And I was never really willing to have a separate thing. So then I had to share and I didn't want to share. I wanted my own, you know? So flash fast, you know, let's, let's jump way forward until just this week. I was at the movies with my husband he bought his own popcorn and he ate it himself. And I didn't have an opinion about it. I didn't think he was eating too fast or too loud. And I didn't have my hands in his thing. I wasn't trying to get from him. I mean, I feel like growing up, I was always trying to get out of somebody else's mouth. You know, <laughs> there's not enough for me. You know, so how, what, what is that boundary of having a, I have a boundary. I have a, a, a food plan, a sponsor. I have the steps. Lost about 40 pounds and kept it off since I came in in 2001, something like that. So these boundaries have helped me in a thousand ways, but how did it help me have a better time at the movies, <laughs> right? Because this is my actual life. So I'm sitting at the movies. Okay, we could say that I felt sorry for myself because popcorn smells good and I wish I could eat it. That's always going to be true. I had enough popcorn and movie food in my life. And I learned that through doing the steps that I really have had enough of all that stuff. And I don't really need it. It's delicious, but I don't need it. So that boundary protects me from all the mess that gets created by paying for somebody else's food, pretending I wanna share when I don't, and then trying to get it from the person. So then we're all eating so quickly that I then feel sick. So none of that has anything to do with specific foods, but those are behaviors that have been incredibly destructive for me throughout my whole life. And it happened long before I discovered that I needed to eat so much that I was gaining weight daily. Those were just episodes. This is the regular thing that was going on all the time. And, and um, so these boundaries protect me from that. Um, when, I, when I think about this tradition, I also think about, um, there's, there's two things. One of them is um, Virginia Woolf's book, um, A Room of One's Own. It's actually an essay that she wrote to young women to try to, well, because there's real issues about women in the world. And um, how do women set boundaries and take care of themselves? And what are the losses if we don't take care of ourselves? I would say that this, this essay is worth reading. It's kind of academic, but it's worth reading for everyone, including 
men, it's very important, but it's also about boundaries. Like what happens when you don't have a room of your own, when you don't have a place where it's your mess, your things, your responsibility, and no one can come in and take it from you. And, and I think that having boundaries around food has sort of created that room within myself that says, you know, I can, it can be my birthday and I cannot eat cake because I don't eat cake and other people can eat it. And it doesn't matter because what other people do is not my business. What they think, what they feel, it isn't my business. I don't need to make people happy by hurting myself because recovery has helped me understand that there's room within me and my life for me. And I would say, I would add to that also, like I, I grew up again, I grew up in Berkeley and I, I grew up in a bookstore and I like pop music. So is it embarrassing? I mean, I like actually all kinds of music, but you know, is it embarrassing to find out things about myself that I don't want people to know that like I sing along with Justin Bieber? I mean, that's totally embarrassing, right? Totally embarrassing, but it's really lovely for me as a person. I'm a human being. I'm not this image of who people are going to, who think, who I'm supposed to be. So other people think about me, I actually exist. And that's the other thing about, about this tradition and about boundaries and about recovery in general is, is that I need to be here today with myself and that I can't just have a bunch of rules and a diet about who I'm supposed to be and some perfect thing that I'm never going to get to. I mean, I get to be me. I get to be the same person that has read Virginia Woolf and sings along with Justin Bieber because that's who I am. And I don't need to be somebody else besides myself. So again, what is it to be fully self-supporting? And I will say, I just want to read this section again. This is from, from the for today. Um, this is about dependency and it kind of describes how murky and awful it is to be overly dependent on others. And, and I just, you know, I want after, I'd like to talk about this as a topic afterwards, like, does this make any sense to you? You know, to me, this was really difficult to read, but it being the only thing that I could think of and it was here, how do you do with this tradition? I want to share it with you. Okay. He who is being carried does not realize how far the town is. Nigerian proverb. Dependency is soft and cushy and makes it unnecessary for me to know how far the town is. So what's the catch? The catch is that I can never grow past that stage of childhood in which I am an extension of my parents. Failure to meet others' expectations will send me back again and again to seek approval that will never come. I do not choose to stay on that treadmill today. If I catch myself bending over backward to please or dismissing my own opinions as inferior, I ask God for the courage to change direction for today. The OA program of recovery is leading me out of the gilded cage of dependency toward the freedom of thinking for myself. Um, did you say that was 10? Um, so before I came into OA, uh, I was a compulsive reader for a long time. I'd done many, many uh, diets and um, I had fasted for many weeks and I had... Uh, you know, I, as even as a kid, like I had this idea that this, I have, have my grandmother's arms. Thank you. <laughs> Yugoslavian peasant woman that's in my body. Um, um, and I dreamed that this whole thing, this could just be like cut off, right? Like I'm just going to fix, it's, these are just, this is just Velcroed on. This actual fat on my body is just going to, I could just have it taken off. So that's, that was part of my, my thinking. 
Um, but then I, I found a way to manage my food pretty well by um, not eating until the end of the day and smoking cigarettes and drinking a lot of coffee. So I suppressed and I was able to maintain a pretty, pretty normal weight, similar to where I am now. I weigh about 150. I was similar. I was here pretty much. And then I had a kid, but I got married. I wasn't sure I wanted to, but I did. And uh, then I had a kid and, you know, things just spiraled totally out of control. Um, I married an alcoholic. My the birth, I, I gained 65 pounds for my child. I felt like a rancid blueberry. And then the baby came out. He's beautiful. He's beautiful. But my body hurt in a thousand ways. And I almost died. So I was like, Ugh! anyway, it was really an epic feat for me to give birth to an actual other child. But having him in my life has, of course, made recovery even more important. Um, because what I felt growing up was that I really wasn't that important. And I really kind of needed to hurt myself in a way to make up to make other people feel better because I have certain assets. And I grew up with an older sister who she could be furious and angry at me over almost nothing. Um, my color of my eyes or color of my hair or anything. But she also could be mad at me for things that I could see I should change about myself. So I was always trying to change myself and I never could really befriend myself and be like, I'm cool. You know, it's cool. I can be okay. Um, so when I had a kid, I started to see that I mattered to someone like in a deep fundamental way. And that I was really important. I mean, maybe I just learned that from music, you know, motherless child, right? That's a sad <laughs> state for a human being to have no mother. Right. So I started trying to take care of myself because I realized like, just like we put our seatbelts on, I, I started doing that when I was someone's mom. So that again is an expression of my codependence that says I couldn't do this recovery for myself. I had to see myself in the context of other people and say, oh, I'm important enough because they love me. And again, that's beautiful and meaningful and has really helped me, but it isn't as deep as the truth is that I love myself and it's okay for me to take care of myself. Um, I mean, it really did help me just like all of our defects, this codependence that was so chronic that was, was making me hurt myself for other people. Actually, there was a positive in there. And it was that I was able to see that I was important to this child so I could come to OA, even though I hated it. I didn't like you guys. I thought it was a cult. I hated everything about it. I'm agnostic. So I just heard the word God everywhere and I just wanted to run screaming. But I was able to do that, the difficult thing of staying here, not because I cared about myself, but because I understood that other people cared about me and that therefore I need to be here. So that's beautiful. But how do I get from there to the reality that it's not that beautiful, that actually I need to be okay, whether I'm loved or not by other people. Like I need to be self-supporting. So whether or not you agree with me and you smile at me and I do what you like, I need to be okay. And this idea of being self-supporting, declining outside contributions is kind of about that. Like, how uh, can I? Sorry, there's a child. Um, can I be okay whether or not the alcoholics in my life stop drinking? Can I be okay if my sister, although clean and sober, 
is still freaking annoying and crazy and mean, she's not going to change. She's going to be who she is. Although she's clean and sober. Yay. 22 years. But I need to be okay. Whether the world lines up the way I want it to or not, whether you agree that I'm an okay person or not, whether I'm thin or not, you know, and especially this year, I mean, I think the COVID times have been a shit show. Excuse my language. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't say that because I'm being recorded. But somebody tried to tell me it was a wacky time. I was like, this is not wacky. This is terrible for everyone in a thousand ways, including me. And can I be okay anyway? Like, and the things that I do, uh, the things that I do to take care of myself um, are things that I do that are declining outside contributions, like maintaining my food plan, calling my sponsor. I do what I say I'm gonna do. I, words mean something to me. So I call at the right time when my sponsor says to call. Uh, I, I, I meditate every day. I, and I do things around my food where I'm just trying to improve it. You know, more water. Did I go grocery shopping? Did I sit down when I was eating? Do I follow the boundaries around not eating in front of the TV? Did I pray before I went to bed? And I, before I, when I got up, you know, did I do these things that I've learned to take care of myself that have no bearing on anyone else, but they're what I have learned are important. Um, and then the other thing I'll just say is that, um, so I mentioned uh, Virginia Woolf and um, Justin Bieber, but also um, um, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, just to add another book. Um, in it, which I finally read, somebody suggested I read it because I have some diplomacy issues I'm working on. Um, that he talks about the problem with doing things, spending your life doing things that are urgent, but not that important. And trying to switch it so we're doing the important things that are not urgent. So the important things that are not urgent for me are things like meditating, grocery shopping. For me, it's music, practicing music. You know, I don't have a agent who's forcing me to finish something. I sing songs of the thirties, no one cares, but I do. And it, if I do that important but not urgent thing, then I'm aligning myself with what I believe is my higher power's will. Even though I don't even know what my higher power is. <laughs> that there's these things about me being self-supporting is about understanding who, who I am and what can I do that is not about work and is not about other people. And it's not about racing to the bottom of the box of popcorn or, you know what I mean? Getting you to like me, but it's just about how can I support myself? And oh, wait, I'm so grateful for this lesson. You know, the literature we have, you know, there are, there is, there's a lot of questions on this, on this tradition in the 12 and 12 that are worth reading. There's a lot of questions we should ask ourselves about how meetings are run and whether we are following these, all these traditions, but this one is really important. Um, but I'm especially grateful because it's helped me with this fundamental problem of being overly dependent on other people and not really being willing to take care of myself because I'm my own custodian. No. So um, I receive a lot of contributions. You know, it says I'm not receiving outside contributions. I receive a lot of contributions by sponsees and sponsors and all of you and the meetings. And there's lots of contributions that come in to help me support these things. But I also need to show up and support myself. So anyway, um, so that's just my story. I don't speak for OA and um, I, I don't I hope it was useful. <laughs> I know I showed up. 
I know you're here. I know I'm happy to see your faces. And um, if you didn't hear anything useful from me, please go to at least six different meetings before you decide whether OA is right for you. And um, welcome, keep coming back.